Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. And the sermon is being delivered to Cornelius, the members of his house, and the soldiers that were in the group that he was responsible for, beginning in verse 34 of of Acts chapter 10. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word, I say, ye know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us, who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of quick and dead. To him gave all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them that heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God, and then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? He commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord, and then prayed to they him to tarry certain days. May the Lord add his blessing to this reading of his word. Let us go to prayer. Thank you, Lord, for the mercy you have shown to us in saving our souls. Thank you for bringing to us the good things of life that we can enjoy in our physical lives and that we certainly can enjoy in our spiritual lives. We thank you for these who have come tonight that we can share in this time of fellowship and worship. We pray the outpouring of your spirit upon us, that whatever the needs might be in this congregation, every heart and every soul would be truly satisfied and brought closer to you as a result of this evening's fellowship together. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. If you remember the book of Acts or recall what I preached last Sunday, you will recall that there were two people, Cornelius and Peter, whose paths eventually crossed. 
And Peter had been on the rooftop having a vision. Cornelius had been in his home in Caesarea. And God had spoken to each of these men and had directed the affairs of them both so that they finally were to come together and Peter was to preach to Cornelius and his house. <clears throat> Peter was on the roof having a vision. The vision said, in part, there are three men at the door. You go with them and don't doubt anything. When he awoke from the vision, there was a knock at the door, and someone came up on the roof and said, there are three men downstairs asking for you. You can imagine, as well as I, that Peter would wonder, what on earth is God getting me into? Telling me to go to the house of a Gentile, a Roman soldier, who is in charge of 600 men, and do what? Because in the mind of Peter, no Gentile could be saved or deserve to be saved. It was only the Jew, as far as Peter knew, that could be saved. But minding the Lord, doing that which he had been asked to do, he went with the three men, and he comes to the house of Cornelius, and find something that very few preachers ever find, and that is a congregation waiting to be preached to. Bill, if you ever find one, you let me know I want to go to. It just about doesn't happen that there is a group of people eager to hear somebody preach. But here it was. Waiting for a preacher. That hasn't happened in this country since the early days of the settlement of the country when they had the circuit riders and, and people would wait for the preacher to come so they could get married. They had to go ahead and bury people, but weddings were put off until a preacher would arrive and they would have a number of weddings in a community all on one weekend. They had quite a, a wedding festival. But that hasn't happened since and anybody's expecting a preacher to come and, and do anything. Peter looks at this scene. But the first thing that happens is Cornelius and all of his house fall down at the feet of Peter and began to worship him. A very disturbing thing in the mind of Peter. What does this mean that these people are falling down before me? You see... Almost everyone has a tendency to put more importance upon a man than he deserves. Peter is smart enough to know that he does not deserve the recognition. He is not a celebrity. He is not someone to be worshipped. Now people, and particularly preachers, have a lot of problem with this and a lot of... of uh, Actors and actresses have difficulty keeping proper perspective 
Because once one becomes a celebrity, there seems to be the natural expectation that everybody sort of knuckle under and do whatever they want to do. You've seen that in actors and actresses. They're the most snobbish people in all the world because they have been built up to be somebody great. And they're looked upon as somewhat outstanding and everybody is supposed to flock around. If some TV star would appear in Madison tonight, I know that the, the crowds in the churches in, Mad in uh, Boone County would be a lot less than they are this evening because the celebrity would be gaining the attention. Everybody wants to pay attention to some celebrity and they idolize somebody. Although I think we need people to look up to and to respect, I think we must stop short of making somebody an idol. But this is exactly what Cornelius and his house were attempting to do in giving Peter this kind of reverence. The temptation to expect honor is there, and Peter resisted it. The very temptation that Satan gave Peter in the wilderness when he said, if you will fall down and worship me, I'll give you all of this and show him the whole world. He said, if you'll jump off the temple down before the people, the people will gather around you in great hordes and say, my, how marvelous and how great you are. Now that happens for a little while. Even a preacher gets a certain amount of recognition and he becomes somewhat of a celebrity. But that seems to wear thin after a while and it becomes uh, the, the normal old shoe type thing, which I think ought to be. There ought not to be this elevated position of anybody. Nobody, as far as I'm concerned, is any better than the next person. I don't care in or out of the church. And I do not uh, believe in giving the person that kind of recognition. The position, maybe, ought to be given some elevation. I believe the president of the United States, the position of the presidency, ought to be respected and honored. Very definitely and very highly, the position of the governor ought to be, and on it could go. But the person who holds that position is no better than you or than I. We should never give the person in the pulpit or the person in, the, in any position any more respect and recognition than the person who is in the pew. But it does happen. And because of that, some very difficult things and serious things have happened. In, uh, within the church and we know of some of those things in uh, the past year or so that have really taken their toll and it basically goes back to the expectation a person has built them up to expect that people ought to respect and honor and they ought to have something better than anybody else now you can take that for hours worth and just throw it out if you want to that's okay with me that's really not a part of the sermon I don't even have that in my notes I just felt like I had to say it Peter said, don't you fall down and worship me. I'm a man like anybody else. <clears throat> and Cornelius explains to him why he is sent for him. Now, this opens the eyes of Peter. For the first time, he, he discovers why he's here. God had told him to go talk to Cornelius, and Cornelius had said, go get Peter. Now there are some things in Peter's life that must be straightened out before he can begin to preach any sermon worth anything. He had the notion, as I have already expressed, that only the Jew deserved to be saved. The same kind of notion that you will find in certain churches today who believe that only they are the ones going to heaven. <clears throat> 
Now, whenever you find somebody who believes in their heart that they've got an edge on God against us, don't you believe them? Because God does not provide an edge to any particular denomination. You see, if you are white, you've got an edge. So white people seem to think. If you're an American, you've got an edge, so Americans seem to think. If you're a Baptist, you've got an edge, so we seem to think. If you're a Church of Christ, you definitely got an edge. Or a few others. Jehovah's Witness. And other denominations that perhaps we could mention. And if you're a part of some of the charismatic movements of this world, you really have an edge because you speak in tongues. Listen, I don't speak in tongues and I don't belong to the church of Christ. The only thing I've got going for me is I'm white and I'm American. And that only gives me a 50% chance. But the scripture does not talk in terms of people having an advantage because of their position in life. Their color of skin nor their national origin nor the organization to which they belong. Don't expect you're going to get into heaven because you belong to the Olive Branch Baptist Church. If that's your ticket, you're going to miss it. Because what gives one an edge on heaven is the fact that he has repented of his, his sins and received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And that's all. But Peter didn't know this. He thought you had to be a white Jew. If you can count Jews white. I don't know what color they are. I guess they're white. They bugged him. Because now he's standing before somebody that he thought shouldn't even be, have the gospel preached to them. He was narrow-minded. Of course, there's nobody narrow-minded in the Olive Branch Missionary Baptist Church. We're all very broad-minded, aren't we? Not a one of us would possibly conceive that we have the only thoughts about how to go to him. Peter had a problem. He had tunnel vision. All he could see was what he perceived with his blinders on. When I used to work horses, I put blinders on because I wanted them to have tunnel vision. I wanted them to see straight ahead and that's all. I didn't want them looking over to the left or to the right. Many of us put on blinders and say we perceive of the gospel as being in this narrow road. And that's all. And if you're not on my road, you're not going to make it. And suddenly Peter's mind went haywire and he stood before Cornelius with his mouth gaped open realizing that he was seeing something he had never seen before. His vision had been broadened. He had become a liberal. Did you know that? He now perceives that God is no respecter of persons. You see, to the person who has tunnel vision, a liberal is not spiritual. Peter, that's what he thought. He 
these guys aren't spiritual. They don't even know anything about God and oughtn't even deserve to hear anything about God. But a light now has shined upon him that he has never seen before. Has God changed his mind? Did God suddenly decide, well, maybe those fellows are pretty good. Maybe we ought to see that they can get saved as well. No, God hasn't changed his mind. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so, if God has decided that the Gentile ought to be saved, it wasn't God who changed his mind. It was Peter who had to have his mind changed. It is not God who's changing his mind. It's you and I who need our minds changed, who need our concept broadened, who should have a more perfect picture by seeing the total picture than some small corner of the picture. This is the problem that we have in our churches, and I don't care what church it is, is that we are too prone to be narrow-minded in our thinking and not willing to see the full picture. And when we suddenly have the light turned on and see something different than we've ever seen before, we begin to think, well, God must must have changed. No, no, God didn't change. Suddenly the light shined in our life and we begin to see the full picture. Now, before Peter could be used to preach to Cornelius, there had to have something take place to him. And you know this is true of us all. Before God can use us for his glory, sometimes he's really got to shake us up. He's got to cause a change in us that will give us a different perspective than we ever had before. There he stands before Cornelius. And Cornelius wants to be saved. And Peter can't preach to him until Peter in his own mind believes that God wants Cornelius saved. So there had to be a change in Peter. Then there could be a change in Cornelius. Here's the audience now. All prepared for the message. And there's Peter to preach it. Very strange situation. It's usually the preacher's prepared to preach and nobody's prepared to listen. But there may be, and I know I mentioned this last week, but I want to say it again. And I am convinced of this definitely. There may be just one person who will hear the message. And that's all that's important. But here is a whole crowd. And Peter says, of a truth, I perceive that God is not a respecter of persons. For the first time in Peter's life, he uses some tact. He's usually uh, a very belligerent, uh, know-it-all type individual. Nobody knows anything but Peter, according to Peter. And to be right, everybody had to think like Peter. This has been his problem all through the time that Jesus was trying to make an apostle out of him, was to get his mind straightened out so that he wasn't so so hard that he couldn't allow somebody else to have an opinion. 
I know exactly when you're right. You know when you're right? is when you agree with me. That's the only time you're right. That's the way most of us think. And I'll have to admit that I find myself in that category very often. If you agree with me, you've got to be right. If you don't agree with me, then, then the attitude is, well, you must be wrong, not me, but you. But when the Lord gets a hold of us and starts straightening us out like he did Peter, then there won't be any name-calling from one church to another. There won't be any of this belligerence from one denomination to another or even from one church within a given denomination, one Baptist church against another. There won't be any differences and difficulties of one member against another because our minds have been broadened and centered on Jesus Christ and he has given us the truth. And so for the first time, Peter speaks quietly. He was a guy that would normally rather take the sword and go to fighting than he would to sit back and be quiet. And the Lord has taken him off guard here. He had just got through telling the Lord on top of the roof, I'm not going to eat those animals, no sir, not me. Telling the Lord? When the Lord said, rise and eat. Peter, kill it and eat. And Peter said, not me. I'm not going to do it. That was Peter. And now, he says, in a very decent, calm voice, hey, I've learned something. God is no respecter of people. The preacher had to be changed. I think there's where a lot of it needs to start. Let me tell you, as a preacher, I think a lot of the problems within the church is with the preacher. I've seen it time after time after time after time. And it's the type of individual who stands in the pulpit like Peter and thinks he knows it all. That causes the problem. I hope you never find me that way. The second problem is in the pew, of course. I will forget that tonight. Now, he starts preaching. What's he talking about? He says three things, basically. He talks about the earthly ministry of Christ, what they did to him. He talks about the crucifixion, he talks about the resurrection, and he talks about the second coming. Very simple. We go around those subjects in all kinds of ways, but we must come back to the basics. It is not our responsibility, not mine as a preacher, and I certainly cannot do it, to try to argue anyone into becoming a Christian. If you go out with the attitude that you're going to put up good enough argument, that you're going to win an argument, you may win the argument, but you'll lose the soul. The old adage, you may win the, battle, uh, win the battle, but lose the war, is exactly true. The purpose of the church and the purpose of the preacher 
or a Sunday school teacher is to lay out the facts and let the Holy Spirit deal with the heart and the mind of the person. When the Holy Spirit starts dealing with an individual, listen, there's nothing that anybody else can do. If the Holy Spirit can't do it, it's not going to be done. What did he say? He made it very clear in verse 43 when he said, Whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. Whoever believes in, and that means who receives Jesus Christ with his heart. You see, there's two kinds of believing, and we get them all confused. You can believe with your mind and go to hell. But when you believe with your heart, you're going to heaven. You can acknowledge Jesus Christ with your mind, and there's not a person in this congregation, and probably in Boone County, but what would acknowledge Jesus Christ with his mind? But there are multitudes in this county who will not believe, acknowledge with their heart. And he said, whosoever shall believe in him, something's going to happen, and what is going to happen is that they shall receive forgiveness of sin. Receive forgiveness of sin. That's all he said. He didn't even give an invitation. They didn't sing a song. And things begin to happen. And the scripture says in verse 44 that while Peter spoke, the Holy Spirit fell on them that heard. The Holy Spirit began to work. Cornelius, his family, we don't know how many of his soldiers, but ever how many it were, uh, believed with their heart. And their sins were forgiven. And the evidence was present because the very thing that happened on the day of Pentecost in that upper room with Peter and his fellow brethren at 120 in that upper room happened right here in Cornelius' house. The Holy Spirit came down and entered into their hearts and the evidence was there. It could be seen in their lives that something had taken place. They appeared differently. They acted differently. They began to talk differently. They heard and they saw that these people had received the Holy Spirit exactly like they themselves had some days prior. And Peter looked at all of them and he turned to the Jews who had come with him and he said to the Jews, is there any reason to deny these Gentiles baptism? And there was no reason to deny them baptism. So he took them out and baptized them in the name of the Lord. If you're in some denominations, you're going to have to say in the name of Jesus Christ because that's the word some other place in the scripture. We use in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. It makes no difference, that phrase. They were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. They became members of the church and here is the first real ingathering of Gentiles into the Christian church and Gentiles and Jews alike 
became a body of believers. Why? Because God prepared a man named Peter and changed that man's mind and heart to make it possible for him to preach the simple gospel and make one statement that has lasted all this time and will last throughout eternity, that if you want to be saved, if you want your sins forgiven, you've got to believe with your heart. That's where salvation comes from. And when that happens, as I have heard some of you say, when you accepted Jesus Christ right here in this congregation, that you felt so light that you didn't even know you got up out of your seat and walked up front until after the fact. What happened? The Holy Spirit was in charge, not you. Your mind and your heart were centered on Jesus Christ. You had done what Peter said to do. You believed with your heart. And when that happened, the Holy Spirit entered. And there was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon you. Well, I don't know if any of you are in that category tonight or not, but we're going to give you an opportunity to do the same thing that happened on that day with Cornelius. To let the Holy Spirit handle your affairs. Just say yes to the Lord, yield your life, watch the miracle take place. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.